0: Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast Do not necessarily reflect the views of Block Talk Radio, the soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, Man of Purpose himself. And your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diggle. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And Welcome, welcome, and welcome again. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here right here on Live on the Soul of America Radio Network. For those of you that are listening from coast to coast, you can find us every Monday night, 9 o'clock p.m. on the Eastern Time Zone, 8 o'clock on the Central. 7 o'clock if you're in the Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be, coast to coast, you can find us here on Hope and Healing, the Journey to Oldness. Listen, I'm going to go right into it because you've joined us live in the midst of a training for faith-based leaders on domestic violence. So this might be the first time in the history of Blog Talk Radio that you're going to actually have a live show that is happening in the midst of doing what we do best and inside of some things. So listen very carefully as we're in the last few minutes of our time together today because it's so very important as we're Address this very critical subject of domestic violence as we have been doing for the last uh, couple of years on this particular station so as we're moving forward tonight inside of uh, the last part of the class we're talking about what is so in, uh, important for faith leaders as it regards dealing with the issue of domestic violence so we're talking about the things that are so important for a leader to know when it comes to dealing with couples when it comes to dealing with people that may come with this uh, situation One of the things that we know that we're not to minimize the incidents that a victim shares with a person. So if a faith leader, if a victim comes to a faith leader and they're talking about what's happened to them, the worst thing that a faith leader a pastor could do is to minimize what happened to them by saying, girl, that's not all that. I mean, come on, it ain't no big deal. Come on, toughen up. I mean, that man didn't say nothing to hurt you. You should not minimize a person's experience because their experience is what? Their experience, right? Their reality is what? Their reality. So you can't tell a person they're not hurting if they're hurting. You can't tell them that it's not important because it's important to them. So as leaders, we cannot minimize that person's experience. We cannot make it uh, non-existent. Then the thing that we need to understand is that we're not not to handle this in the same way. As I was saying earlier tonight, the many times when a person comes to a pastor and they're going through uh, a situation of domestic violence, pastors have a tendency to try to treat it like a regular marital problem. It's not a regular marital problem. Domestic violence is not a marital problem, number one. It's a crime, (laughs) okay? Number two, it's a sin. Number three, it's not a regular marital problem because it's already involving injury to the other person. Am I making sense? So you can't treat it like a regular marital problem. So what you have to do, you have to treat it for what it is. Number one, you don't want to co-counsel. You do not want to co-counsel them. So even if you talk to the victim first and you heard what the victim had to say, I want you to make very good note of this. You just so arbitrarily say, I'm going to go and talk to the perpetrator. Why? Because the victim might have just wanted to share it with you so that you'll know what's going on, so that you can pray or might for so them to get resources. They might not want you to go to that, big, to that perpetrator. So you might, you, what you might uh, must do is ask them, can I speak to the perpetrator? Do you mind if I approach the perpetrator? They might say, no, Pastor, I really don't want you to do that because, you know, he can be crazy at times and I don't want him to come back at me. Who would be best in knowing how the perpetrator is? Who would be best? The victim would. So as a pastor, you can't simply say, well, I know Jimmy since he was eight years old. He grew up in his church. His dad was my best deacon." No, you can't go that route. Every time you go that route, what are you saying to the victim? You're saying to the victim that not only are you not important, but I find it hard to believe you because I know Jimmy and I know his folks. You got me? So in a sense, what are you doing? You're re-victimizing the victim. You're saying, listen here. Jimmy is, le- is more than likely did not do what you're saying that Jimmy did, because I know him, and you cannot afford to do that. The victim needs to be believed. The other part about that, is when we look down at the next bullet, we don't need to refer couples who you suspect are dealing with abuse to marriage enrichment programs, uh, mediation ser- uh, sessions, and communication workshops. So if I know that they got domestic violence going on let me tell you something that's not where I need to send them I don't need to send them to marital uh, you know enrichment this type of type thing this is not the time to go on a, you know some forever together forever clues because it's a dangerous situation what I need to do now is begin to decipher what is going on there begin to deal with them individually and once again whose permission I need to ask for to deal with that perpetrator I need to ask the victim right so one of the things we try to tell faith leaders is that when you are doing these type things, you cannot listen. You cannot treat an issue of domestic violence like it's some bad marital problem going on. We don't get along. She spent too much money. You know, he don't come home at night. You can't do that because what we have a tendency to do because we want to fix things so quickly. You understand what I'm saying? So what do we do? We go and get a wrong prescription. We get them a wrong prescription for what's ailing them. We started giving them a prescription for a romantic night when that's not what they need. So we start talking about, when's the last time you had some time to yourself? When the last time y'all had some time alone? I mean, that's not all good, but that's not the issue here. Now we want to sound like Luther Vandross. Get your red dress and your high heel shoes. No, that's not the prescription. The red dress, high heel shoes, kind of like music. That's great for a romantic evening, but that's not the prescription when there's domestic violence going on. Telling them to get a red dress and high heel shoes when there's domestic violence is like giving someone a pep the bismol for a headache. Is it medicine? Yeah, but it's not the right medicine for a headache, right? So you can't do that. So as. Leaders, we have to go a step further, and I'm finishing up by saying this: we have to not be taken by the battles plane to be religious conversion experience. What do I mean by that? Some pastors are hoodwinked very easily, and so are victims. So what happened? She finally said, "I'm not taking this anymore from you, Henry. I'm not taking it. It's over. I'm not taking. I'm not taking this from you. Okay, you keep treating me like this. I don't want you in my life. It's just over between us. Now, what happened with Henry?" Henry, No, Henry goes to church next Sunday, especially if Henry ain't been coming to church, because you didn't got serious about it, Henry, and tell him that it's over with. So Henry comes to church, and guess what? The moment altar call is made, who's the first person at the altar? Henry! I'm coming home, I'm coming. No, okay, no, no. No, you cannot be taken by that. You know, in the church, we get very, we just get crazy. You know, when folks come to the altar, we just, oh, we just lose. our say, ooh, speak it out. He gave his life to the Lord. Now, listen, I'm not being sacrilege. But it's interesting he gave his life to the Lord after she said that she was through with him. Right? right. What's the problem? when the victim just really want to believe it, she'll believe anything, Right. right. Through the rose colored glasses. She'd be the main one I'd get shout. No, I'm freaking, out. freaking, freaking, freaking. So, what does she expect when she gets back home? She expects another man. She expects him to have been renewed. She expects him to be brand new. She expects him to be, co- after all, he came to the altar. After all, he shed a tear. After all, he did three spins in a, in a pop. Oh, glory. So that's what she expected. And guess what happened? Pastor started thinking that too. He said, see there, I told you the law was going to work it out. I told you, you got a good man you girl. I told you it was going work out. You got a good man. Now all y'all got to do is keep your hand in the law's hand.
0: And everything's going to be all
1: right. And so what does she do? She leaves with this sense of what? Three, two, three. Believing that it's going to be all right. Who just who just sanctioned it? Who just amended it? I did, right? The preacher just amended. And that's why when we talk with pastors about domestic violence, there are three things we say to them. Number one, you can't tell a victim to stay, neither should you tell a victim to return. You got me? That's not your that's not your territory. Number two, this is one of the things you should not do. You should not be the one to report back to the victim or the perpetrator how the other is doing. One of the worst things that happen, we see it happen in the courts all the time, that some pastors don't have system to understand the danger that they put the victim in, not only the danger, but what they do to the victim's spirit, because the pastor shows up in the courtroom representing and standing as a character witness with the matter of. So now he wants to stand up and say, well, Your Honor, uh-uh. Well, Brother Jim, Jimmy has been a member of our church for about 14 years, and uh, he's always shown very good character. He's always been a great person; never had any trouble. He's been a trustee. His daddy was a trustee. Uh, he's a he's a faithful member inside of that. He's, uh, you know, uh, we've never noticed anything out of character. Matter of fact, these allegations have just really taken us totally by surprise, and uh, we just believe that this family can uh, can be fixed. and, they can be made whole and restored again properly with the proper under, uh, under care and support, and we, are, we have committed ourselves to do that. So the judge here this coming from the pastor, and what do you think the judge is persuaded by? Okay. So the judge said, wow, this pastor came and spoke on his behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Victim trying to figure out my pastor. I mean, I, 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 I mean... I, I mean Oh my God! Now, how do you think that victim feels? Betrayed. Betrayed. What else she feels? She's nervous. She feel abandoned. She feel broken. She feel unbelieved. She feels all of those things, right? Does she feel shame? Yes. And now she feels like she's been made a fool of. Now she feel like pastor and the church, because she pastor represents the church, right. all bad. believe yeah. him. And I've seen that happen too often, folks. Let me wrap this up in just a little bit. I want to hit just a few more counseling techniques, okay? Uh, A pastor should never try to force a victim to forgive the abuser quickly. I know folks are going to wrestle with that. Let me tell you something. We know that until you forgive, you cannot totally be healed. But I cannot tell you when or how quickly to forgive. Do you understand where I'm coming from with that? Healing is oftentimes a process. The name of this show is Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You got me? Because, see, my forgiving that person may not be my first order of business. I need to first recognize the fact my point of injury and what I'm holding against inside of the situation. On the other side, I tell victims this, is that forgiving that person does not mean that you're excusing them doesn't mean that you're saying that I'm just forgetting about it. It simply means that I'm not going to let it hold me hostage any longer. But as a leader, we do not have a right, and neither should we say to a victim, well, you just need to forgive him. You need to forgive him now. What if he was to get in an accident? Oh, are you kidding me? No. What if he was to get his life right? Okay? So we can't force the victim to forgive easily. One, another one of those things I wanted you to say is that i Pastors, you need to not understand not to ever offer the absolution without evidence of true rep- repentance. And I'm going to say this, and I'll prepare to end this. Uh, my classes, I used to, my, I used to have an office out of Belle Glade, in which I did this. I pastored out of Belle Glade, Florida, for seven years. And I used to have an office out there even beyond that where we actually, that's where the court sent people to us for anger management, for domestic violence support, for uh, modified batteries intervention, for parenting classes. They came to us for that. And I will never forget I had this particular couple there, and I had 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 the mother there before, and eventually I had her husband as well. The problem was that she had had some real trouble with BCF. She had uh, lost two of her other kids in the system. They were, in other words, they were with foster people, but the foster people happened to be the family. And so we got a situation now that she's gotten pregnant, and upon delivery of the child, how many know they took the kid from, from right there? So part of it, now the kid, the baby is placed with family members and stuff. So part of the, uh, what they had, they was ordered to take classes. He had to take batter's intervention and anger management and parenting. So did she, but they did not attend, of course, the same classes. Now, the problem was this, is that they had to successfully complete the class or they were going to have their parental rights terminated. Okay, so in this case here, they went through a bad stretch, a real bad stretch, uh, where at first he wasn't taking the classes seriously. Then he became very serious. He would come to every class. He would be there on time, and he was really making progress. I would hear him say, Pastor Ficklin, listen. I was coming before because the course made me come. But I realize now that I need to come. I was coming before because that was my ultimatum to her. But I realized that, listen, if she never comes back to me, I need to get myself straight for myself so that I'll be useful to anybody in the future. And that's where he was. Now, although he was making all great progress and he was saying great things, I never once went to her and said, you know what, he's really coming along. He's really striving. Why didn't I do that? Why did I go and do that? Why do you think I didn't go and tell her and say, "Boy, he's really coming along? I really see these significant changes in him. Why exactly i might have been I might have been influencing her to go back to him." And remember, that's the power that we have as leaders and people that are important in people's life. When you have influence in people's life, you have to be very careful about what advice you give. You just can't say, go back, baby, it's all right now. Oh, you ought to see him now. Girl, he talking about you all the time. Every time you he's just so beautiful. He just looks so bad since y'all ain't been together. Y'all really need to get back together because he just messed up. No, you can't go that route. You understand what I'm saying? You can't go that route. You cannot, you cannot put yourself in that place. So let me say this as we prepare to close this. We have to understand this, that when we're dealing with this, the proper counseling techniques is that we need to find ourselves uh, understanding that co-counseling is a no-no by every stretch of your imagination. Uh, we have to understand that not only that, is that we have to be equally concerned about that victim. And I talk about that prescription, and we need to keep in mind that the prescription for a romantic night is not the prescription that we use. So what is the prescription, uh, personal for the victim? You want her to empower the victim to regain control of her life. What do you want to do with the victim? You want to empower them. You want them to regain control of their lives. You don't want them to always feel like they're in a shell and that they can't make it and that they're fragile. How can the church have support that? You can have support that in a number of ways. You know what? Every now and then, give a benevolent offering to help her. Maybe she needs to get on her feet. Maybe there are things that are due. Maybe there are things that the children need. Sometimes you don't have to always take it off across this church. Sometimes it's a matter of getting it in the right people's hands. We're just collecting donations right now. Now, you don't have to tell them who is more, but help that person who is going through. We've got to help those. Help them regain what? Empower them to regain control of their lives. So what do we do? The safety of the victim and the children is primarily important. Therefore, at some point, the council may need to suggest or even recommend a separation option. Sometimes they do have to separate. Separation doesn't mean that you're trying to destroy the family. Sometimes separation means I'm trying to save some lives. A lot of pastors run from it. Yeah, because y'all just, y'all been trying to tear up family. No one's trying to tear up a family. We're trying to save some lives. And when the word said, to death do us part, it didn't mean to death do us part because you pardoned me, because you killed me. Okay? So you want safety to come in there. So let me uh, get this next two point and we'll close for tonight. We want to encourage her to connect with up outside uh, others outside of her immediate circle. Work with abuse wisdom is, we got to understand, it's slow, it's anxiety type work provoking, and often unpredictable due to crisis. How am I going to present God to this woman? I'm going to present God as a helper and a defender who, uh, who, who opposes abuse, Psalms 18, 1 through 3. I'm going to highlight God's concern for truth, Psalms 15, 1 through 2. I'm encouraged, but do not coerce the trial restoration of the daily devotional time. I'm going to do what? Notice that. I'm going to encourage, but do not coerce a trial, restoration of daily devotional time. What do I mean? I mean that when she feels comfortable and she wants to communicate with them, and maybe there's a time of prayer, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage her, but I'm not going to coerce her to do that. If she wants to say, well, we're just going to have a trial basis, you know, you know we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to have prayer once a day or whatever, let them walk into that gradually. Don't try to mandate that upon someone, because you could be mandating them to their grave. Last thing I want to say when it comes to the abuser ain't nothing, but one thing for me as a leader to say to the abuser, terminate the abuse. Stop it, man. You need to stop it. They need to get sometimes group counseling and individual counseling. One thing about group counseling is because sometimes you can hold people accountable. You see what I'm saying? When I used to do my balance intervention group, we knew the line by heart, because everybody comes in and says, man, I ain't do that. They got to come to class. They ain't doing that. I, by the time they get there, the guys that have been there a little while, say, yeah, come on, join the other 15 of us didn't do that neither. <laughs> Why? Because of the fact they know the lie. You know, and eventually they have to come to regrets that, man, I'm here because I was an abuser. I'm here because. Until they can accept that, you can forget it. If a person is saying to someone, well, baby, I, I'll get help if you stay with me, are they sincere? No because the help should not be conditioned upon them staying with them. Uh, they must hold the abuser fully responsible for the battering. They should be a high degree of counselor-initiated structured in helping relationship, and because you need to understand that marital counselor should never be, be attempted before all these other forms of abuse have ceased and the spouse feels it is safe. So what am I saying? I'm, saying, I'm not saying that they don't eventually have marital counseling, but I'm saying you do not do that until that spouse knows that she is safe and feels safe. Are you with me today? You cannot determine that for someone. Okay? All right. So, as we close tonight, anything, I want to grab any questions that you may have. Questions that you may have that we may not have answered. I want your questions, feedback, talk to me.
0: I know y'all just want to go home, but okay. <laughs> Let me get those certificates we can. Okay. All right.
1: If you ever, what? Have I ever talked to an abuser? Oh, Oh, yeah. She said, have I ever talked to an abuser to find out where all of this started? Thank you so much. Uh, Sure, I have. I've talked to abusers, and we talked about, uh, number one, when they acknowledge their abuse. When they acknowledge their abuse, then we we talk about where did it come from. In many cases, that abuse comes from their childhood. In many cases... In many cases, abuse only come from the childhood, but abuse they witnessed that abuse growing up. And so when they witnessed that abuse growing up, you know what happened? As a result of them witnessing that abuse growing up, remember, abuse is a learned what? Behavior. So when I talk to them, oftentimes they talk about what they saw. They saw their dad do it. They saw their uncle do it. They grew up seeing this type of abuse. So many of them, they vow that they would never commit the ab- this abuse themselves, but they end up doing so. Why is that the case? Because they learn what they live, and they live what they learn. And so should we ever feel sorry for the abuser? Not necessarily sorry for them, but we need to understand that may have been the role that they've taken because when it's all said and done, there is no excuse for abuse. But if an abuser is really serious about getting help, what do they do? They say, man, I need help. I need help, man. Where can I get into a class at? Where can I go? Can I come see you? I need therapy. So in the church, the church could be a perfect place for, for, for batterous intervention because if you've got people that are just going to hold that brother accountable, you understand what I'm saying? If that brother is held accountable, he's less likely to go and do the same thing because he knows what eyes are on him. And then we talk about, man, so how's everything going? If he's even in the house. Sometimes people are separated. Sometimes the courts order them to batterous intervention, and, and sometimes they're not in the house, but the other times when they are, I can't successfully do this matters intervention unless every now and then I check in with the the victim and I need to ask the victim, how's everything going? Have you seen any changes? Is the behavior still the same? If she I mean, after four weeks, or five or six weeks, and she's still saying he's swinging pots and throwing things and threatening her and all that, then we know we got a real issue here, right? So now I have to deal with them accordingly. So there comes a time that we have to speak the truth in love and we can't predicate around. We have to hold the brother accountable. And sometime in order to do that, sometime I have to take them back to their childhood. I have to get them to close their eyes. I want them to go back to when they were a kid. Remember what you saw? Remember how it sounded. Remember how frightened you were. Remember the danger you felt. And I need to take him back that place so that he can understand the terror that he's also inflicting right now. And that becomes a starting point. Any last-second questions, anything of that nature? Everyone has gotten their certificate? Did you get your certificate, Gil? Did you get your certificate? You didn't sign your name. We'll fix that problem. <laughs> That's like the gatekeeper, right? <laughs> the gatekeeper, then, you know, locked the door and then get the door. But anyway, so tonight I want to say to you, you've just completed the three-hour church roll series there. Uh, I have all your the information there in the next week or so, so i going to be emailing you. to will let you know about the next series that will happen. Next series won't cost you half as much because you already have books and stuff like that. But I'll let you know, next series we'll have someone else that will also be with us, and we'll go into another part there. I have to look and see what next series is up. One of the things I said to you that is important why I wanted you to keep your certificate, keep them. Because as we were talking to the coalition and those entities there, we want them to recognize the fact that when people of faith have gone through the domestic violence series, we want them to not only uh be recognized, but we want them to have a certain designation for us. Inside of the work we do, we have what we call victim practitioner designation. The other part I will say to you is this, and I think that's the part of that sign-in that said, are you interested in volunteering? One of the things that I can do for you beyond this point here, and uh, you know, and as you do do volunteer with us, I can get you into some other trainings, some other trainings that are done by the state, the attorney general. Now, some of these trainings are three- and four-day trainings. I can give them away the fee for you because you're part, you'll be considered part of me. Uh, but it may require travel. It depends on where it is. They rotate around the state. Uh, there's a victim practitioner designation training. It's about 40 hours. That's time you get through with it. You come out to that victim, 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 victim. No 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 no, 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 no. But believe me. But I can do that for you. So in the next week or so, you'll hear back from me, okay? October 4th. The Jamaican Walk, uh, the Palm Beaches, the Master Rounds Walk, Sarnett, 8 a.m. Gangs Park, Australian Avenue, North Australia. That won't be too. It won't be a long walk. Then I want you to also keep in mind uh, that if you want to, I'm just throwing this out on on uh, October on October 14th. I will be. Going up to Stewart, going up to Stewart there with the TBN station there, I'll be recording. I'll be on TBN show doing a recording about domestic violence in the church. So I'll be a guest on TBN. If you'd like to go, please contact me. I'd like to ask some folks in the audience, please I'll help me, somebody. But anyway, so that's on October 14th. On October 18th, there's going to be a face based domestic violence forum. That forum consists of victims and different people that'll be on the panel, it's gonna be a great thing. That's a free event. That'll be happening on October eighteenth. I do have your email addresses, so I'll make sure you get that. October twenty fifth, we're having a peak in purple day. Our church is sponsoring that one. A big motorcycle rally that's a coming through V Vera Beach about two or three hundred motorcycles. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna commemorate both breast cancer and domestic violence awareness on that day. October fifth, I'll be at my own church speaking about domestic violence. October 12th, uh, we'll be at Shallow Family Worship Center, uh, Domestic Violence. October 19th, we'll be at Kingdom Life Ministries in Miami. And October 26th, can't remember where I'm going to be, but I will be and pray. The end of October, we'll be in Oakland, California. So all of you that are listening to us out of the Greater Bay Area, will be in o- Oakland, California, uh, there with the Faith-Based Conference. And what did I forget? October 21st in Orlando for the National Faith-Based Conference. So that will be what's going on in October right now, and I know I forgot about three or four of these. October 16th, community conversation about domestic violence. It's going to happen in Riviera Beach, Florida, 6 o'clock p.m. at City Hall. So that's going to be happening at that time, and uh, I look to have you all there. And until next time, thank you all so very much. And those of you listening by way of uh, the radio here, I'm going to ask you to stay tuned. I'll be right back after this commercial break.
0: you're listening via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio.
1: You're listening to Zor. Destiny by choice.
0: Fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama free, judgment free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats, changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing: A Journey to Holiness with your host. J.R. Stickler. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment. To a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Stiglitz. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us this evening right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. If you're tuned in by Internet tonight, you're tuned in at www.soulofamericaradio.com. And right on the left-hand side, go right there to the Hope and Healing tab, hit Live Show, and that's how you reach me tonight. For those of you that may be listening in by phone, that's Erico 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us, and that is how, if you'd like to be a guest tonight, may have a question and or comment, just simply hit the number 1 on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you desire to have something to say tonight and we will be so glad to get you on the airway tonight so do me a favor Call a neighbor, call a friend, text a neighbor, text a friend, tweet a neighbor, tweet a friend. Let them know that Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, is on the airway tonight. And I'm so glad that you've joined us. And I want you to know that tonight's program is designed with you in mind. For those of you, if this is your first time listening to Hope and Healing, this show is designed to address the issues of abandonment, rejection, abuse, domestic violence, spiritual abuse, rejection, loss, any of those things that creates a place in our lives where there is a need to be healed and a need that hope is be hope is restored, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. Now, if you'd like to just send us an email, maybe you have a question or comment you'd like to make, you can send it to J. Ficklin at soul of America radio. dot com. Let me do that again. J. T. H. I. C. K. L. I. N. at soul of America dot com. That's how you can reach us tonight. And as always, we're so very glad that you've joined us. Now, for those of you that may be following us by Facebook, there's a number of ways that you can reach us on Facebook. Our Facebook page there, uh, we have a Facebook page that is called Domestic Violence. It is your business. Domestic violence, it is your business. Feel free to uh, to uh, join that page there. We're always posting things there as it relates to domestic violence, as it relates to resources, as it relates to sharing stories, as it relates to inspiration. Those are the places that you can find uh, a great deal of information as it relates to domestic violence and other forms of abuse. We also have another page, uh, Destiny by Choice Fellowship, Destiny by Choice Two Fellowship page there. That page there is designed to bring inspiration, hope, to bring about a sense of, if you would, peace, a sense of rejoicing to really uh, bring forth a sense of healing, peace, inspiration, and motivation. You can also join us there at that page. And, of course, if you're looking for us, you can also find us at Jay Ficklin on Facebook as well. Well, tonight, 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 on this very brand-new month, this very brand-new day, July 1st, 2013, and like I would like to say it's Happy New Year to those of you. Yes, I know uh, it's the seventh month of the year uh, when we look at the year as a whole, but it's the first month of the year, meaning that it's the first month of the last half of this new year, and I choose to say Happy New Year because I believe that your latter is going to be greater than your past. I believe that this, uh, this sets up to be... Uh, uh, probably one of the most uh, uh, greatest times for you is that this year have known thus far. And so I need you just to continue to listen, call a neighbor, call a friend, because we're looking forward to bringing forth a very exciting show on today. Listen, last week we began to introduce a topic that I think that was uh, clearly right on target. Now we had some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, and for that reason we're back tonight. And we want to continue that show. The night show is called Children Caught in the Crossfire of Violent Relationships. Children Caught in the Crossfire of Violent Relationships. And now that is a very broad subject, but we look to be able to expand upon the subject in a super way, in a way that I believe that you will find uh, not only great information, but you'll find great resources. Uh, you know, uh these are the times where we have to consider the impact of domestic violence on children. How does it affect them? Oftentimes they are the ones that are most forgotten, but we cannot afford that to happen. We must allow ourselves to be a part of the solution, not the problem. We must make sure that our children are protected at all times and that most of all, that our children are not exposed to domestic violence or witness it, that they become another generation of, uh, of, of victims or abusers as far as that matter so i just want to make sure that we continue to spread the word that we continue to do the job that we ought to do as it relates to domestic violence because when it's all said and done, people, domestic violence, it is our business. It is your business tonight. And so once again, call a friend, call a neighbor. Eric Code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you reach us here on the Soul of America Radio dot com. And once again you listen to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness and I'm your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so very, very glad to be with you tonight. Uh, so many things to share tonight, so many things that unfortunately breaks our heart to even share year and yet it's still we find them necessary because of the fact of the impact of domestic violence and how it has so ravished the lives of so many children how it has so ravished the lives of so many that have been impacted by this this uh, what I call this pandemic and we don't do enough there's never enough that can be done and when it comes to this subject matter we've got to stand strong we got to stand bold we can least afford, and I do want you to know, that we can least afford to be silent. Mm. We can least afford to be silent when it comes to this situation. So I want to make sure tonight that so many of you that are listening to me will have the opportunity, will have the opportunity to call in, to join in, to be a part of what's going on right now. Because if we do not do something about it, let me say something. Evil prevails when good men and good women remain silent evil prevails when we remain silent we can at least afford to remain silent in this hour and so therefore we have to speak up because our lives are at stake, but even more so our children lives are state in a way that uh... we cannot even begin to measure and so inside of saying that inside of doing that i just simply want you to know that this is an hour that we must break our silence we must break our silence. we must ring forth and spring forth for the sake of our children our children needs us our children needs us in a tremendous way our children needs us in a way that will validate them our children needs us in a way that will cause them to really feel safe and secure so I must say that to you I must uh, must get you to buy into the fact that this is really serious time these are serious times and these are times in which we must begin to uh, not only speak out but we must speak forth about the things that are happening inside of uh, abuse abandonment and these type things that put children lives at risk and I believe when children's lives are at risk, then all of our lives are at risk. When children's lives are at risk, that means there are some things that are happening that should not be happening. There are some things that they're suffering that should not be suffered. And we have to be very careful about that in this day and time because it is not enough for us to simply say uh, that we don't want it to happen. It is time that we share this message. It is time that we stand out. It is time that we uh, break the silence. and It is time that we make sure that our children, our children are accounted for. Our children are the ones that must feel secure. They are the ones that must feel the love. They are the ones that must feel the sense of. Uh the sense of empowerment. And that sense of empowerment must come from us, people. It must come from us. We can at least afford to be silent on our children. We must stand up for them and that's what we want to do tonight. So I invite you to call in tonight. Area code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is how you can reach us here today on Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. And I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very, very glad that you've joined us here on tonight from coast to coast. That's how you reach us here on the Soul of America Radio Network. Listen, I want to get right into some things tonight that uh, have been con- uh, particularly troubling with me on last week. We shared uh, some stories with you that that very much concerned us. There were some stories on last week that we shared that was uh, very, very impactful, and I want to go there again with you. When we talk about children being caught in a crossfire of abusive relationships, Abusive relationships have existed since time has begun, and we find those seem to happen in many ways, in many cases where abuse occurs between a man or a woman or between in these days and time against men, uh, between men and men and women and, and women, we often find out that there are Silent victims, as we tend to call them, that are involved in it, and oftentimes they are the children. It is the children that is often caught in the crossfire, whether there is divorce or separation. It is children that is caught in the crossfire when we start talking about uh, settlements. it is children that is caught in a, caught in the crossfire when we start talking about disagreement of any sort. But when it reaches the point and where the children's lives are at danger, these are the points that we must consider uh the route that we take and consider what we do for far as protection of our children. I would be the first to say that we have a long ways to go in this country as it concerns many of the laws, many of the laws that oftentimes put both the children and the victim at risk when it comes to uh, custody cases, uh, cases that involve domestic violence, a right to visitation, because somewhere along the line, the right of the perpetrator have visitation oftentimes creates a very dangerous situation to the victim and the children these are laws, these are legislation that are being uh, written, that are being challenged all over the country at these times, days and time, and we see these type things happen way too often knowing our time on uh, Facebook and other social media we have opportunity to come across people with tremendous stories tremendous stories that have occurred in their lives the lives of their loved ones, the loss of children, the loss, uh, the the loss of life. Those things are too greatly, uh, um, they are too greatly understated, and I really, really uh, want to encourage you today to understand that we have to be that voice for those that are hurting. We have to be that voice for those that don't know where to turn. We have to be that voice for those that feel paralyzed. We have to be that voice for those that feel trapped. And so I'm inviting you to become a part of this team the team that will speak up, the team that will speak out, the team that refuses to allow domestic violence to continue to run rampant these are the teams and these are the individuals that we must begin to look at and begin to say once again that no longer can we stand by and allow these things to go forth we can no longer stand by and pretend as if these things are not real we can no longer stand around and act as if um uh, you know that this is not a subject matter that uh... that should be addressed We must, and we must without any hesitation, stand up for those that are suffering, those that are suffering in silence, children that are, you know, that are oftentimes uh, crippled by the things that are happening, happening in their lives. So I want to say once again that this is the time to do so, and I want to invite you to do so. Area code 323-784-9638. Area code uh, 323-784-9638. That is the way that you reach us today here on Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. And I want you to know that as we travel this journey together, that this is a journey that I believe that each of us, and I mean each of us, have to be a part of. It's a journey in which we have to take part in it's a journey in which we can least afford to be silent in. We must speak up. We must speak out. We must recognize the, uh, the impact of domestic violence. We must realize that not only does domestic violence impact us from every walk of life, but domestic violence impact our children, our children growing up in fear, our children growing up in situations that is beyond their years. And we must bear responsibility there when it comes to these children, and that is why I continue to say what I say is the reason why we continue to uh raise this subject matter because of the fact it must be raised. there's no time to be silent, there's no time to uh to just act like it doesn't exist there's no time to pretend as if no one is impacted by this. I'm challenging you today. I'm challenging each and every one of you today to become part of the solution, not the problem. Be part of the solution because until we're part of the solution, we will not ever see what we need to see. Until we're part of the solution, we're going to miss out on our opportunity to change a generation, to change a world to change a society to change those around us because we must stand up against abuse because it never ends with just the individual the children are always at risk and I challenge each and every one of you as I reach out to each and every one of you stand your ground speak up speak out because domestic violence is no joke and when our children are caught in the crossfire of it, it is absolutely a travesty and a tragedy and I want to invite you to be a part of this today Area code 323 is the way you reach us here. We're going to take a break here in just one second, and we want you to be a part of this as we return with hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. You're listening to Pastor J.R. Ficklin right here on the Soul of America Radio. And I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Stay tuned. I'll be right back right after these messages. <laughs>
0: by phone and prefer to listen over the internet please go to www.soulofamericaradio.com Above Life J.R. Siglin.
1: is your host, J.R. Ficklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Soul of America radio station. I'm so glad as we're reaching coast to coast from across the nation that we're bringing you not only great information that become part of your application, that there may be liberation inside of your situation. As you're listening tonight, I'm so glad that you're with us. Once again, if you are listening by uh, telephone, that's area code 323-784-9638. If you'd like to call in and be a guest, Or just call in and listen. Uh, Perhaps you're on the road. Uh, Area code 323-784-9638. If you're home in front of your computer or one of your uh, electronical gadgets there, it's always www.soulofamericaradio.com. And you can go right there to the Hope and Healing tab, hit Live Show, and that's how you have us here tonight. Perhaps you have a question, a confidential question, or maybe you have a comment. You can always send us an email at the letter J, Ficklin at soul of america radio dot com that is j t h i c k l i n at soul of america radio dot com that is how you reach us here today i'm so glad those of you that are listening to us uh those of you that may be following us on facebook once again a few facebook pages that you can find us on uh domestic violence it is your business right there you can become a member of that group filled with information as uh as it pertains to domestic violence domestic violence hotline uh Situation, warning signs, all those things there. And I want to send out a special, special shout-out to Indy Harlem too, uh, who is manning a lot of those pages for us. She's making sure all that information is there on the page, and so let's give it up tonight for Indy Harlem too. Uh There she mans, and she actually is the chief administrator of our other uh, page there, Destiny by Choice Two Fellowship page, and that page is quite different. It's filled with inspiration, hope, uh not only scriptures, but music and postings and sharing of testimonies. And on that page, you may find inspiration that's coming from people from across the country. We like to call that our oasis of inspiration. And so definitely feel free to join that page there, too. And while I'm talking about the Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page, I want to send out a special shout-out and congratulations to Daryl Samuels. I believe that's the name of the individual who is uh, actually the winner of what we call our roll call Every morning, every morning roll call happens there at the Desperate by Choice True Fellowship page, and uh, and uh, individuals are up early morning and they're posting their inspiration. Their good mornings, they're speaking their inspiration of the day. And Daryl somehow, some some way, another, he was the first one. Uh, should I say he definitely answered that roll call and presented that roll call uh, more often than anyone in the whole entire month of June. So we want to send out a special shout out to him. On today. Now, those of you that are listening tonight, I wanted to get back into the subject matter that is absolutely crucial. We're dealing with the subject matter of children caught in the crossfire of violent relationships or domestic violence. Last week, I began to hit a few places here about this subject matter, and I want to make sure tonight that you hear me loud and clear, each and every one of you, that you hear me loud and clear concerning this. We understand that on a national average in this country that every 12 seconds a female is battered in a domestic violence uh, situation. Every six hours a victim dies at the hand of their perpetrator. We understand that between three, uh, between 3 to uh, 12 million children a year witness or expose uh, some type of, to some type of domestic violence. Uh, in, in their households. And yet it's still, when we look a little deeper, we understand that the risk of children being not only hurt, injured, but definitely impacted due to being exposed to witnessing uh, domestic violence is greater than what we think. It oftentimes can be seen inside of so many places. It can be seen inside of their schoolyard. It can be seen inside of the classroom. It can be seen inside of the uh, playground because witnessing violence always has an impact on children. It can lead to things in their life psychologically of children uh, growing up with fear, uh, having suicidal thoughts, depression, going through withdrawals. All of those things there. If you understood that 70% of children in treatment for domestic violence witnesses as a child, understand this stuff doesn't go away. But we understand that sometimes eating disorder orders happen as a release, uh, result of children witnessing domestic violence, increased assault, withdrawal, difficulty uh, forming relationship. All of these things happen to them. You know, become detached. Uh, becoming destructive rages And we have to understand these things doesn't just happen But they happen oftentimes Because of the fact of children Being exposed to domestic violence Eighty percent of marriages uh, Should I say Eighty percent of runaways I should say Come from home where domestic violence Occurred so we Behavior problems there, we see many of the things happening. This is one that you need to understand, and this is the reason why we have always championed the call to understand that domestic violence never remains home. It's not an isolated incident. 63% of boys arrested for homicide from ages 11 to 29 have killed their mother's assault partner, the person who assaulted their mother. So we're seeing the result of children being uh, exposed to domestic violence going beyond just the incident itself but it's affecting everything and everybody that's connected to it. And that is why it's so crucial that we take this subject matter as serious as possible. I mean, from the White House to the church house, from the school house to the outhouse, from your house to the market house, we must begin to take this subject matter as serious as possible because this is not something that's done in the corner. This is not something that is done in a vacuum. This is something that impacts us from every walk of life. Ericko, 323-784-9638. That is how you reach us. If you'd like to be a guest, you have a comment, or question, simply hit the number one on your keypad, and we'll be so very glad to entertain your thoughts, your, your, thought, your question, or even your story tonight. Now, I wanted to get back to some things because inside of relationships, and here are some things that happen oftentimes, and we talk about this inside of classes that we hold, is the fact when do you know, when do you know the temperament of a person that may be in your life? And in this case, we're talking about in many cases where we're we're seeing children. We're seeing uh, perhaps a woman is in a dating relationship, perhaps a pr- partner, uh, the partner they're with. Perhaps they've not been with them a long time, and perhaps a uh, you know a, a an acceptable amount of time. But what is acceptable? When is it all right to leave your children and your small children in the care of a partner? What is it all right to leave a child, toddlers, and uh, very small kids in the hand of a person that you may be dating? And then if you do, how long should you leave them there? What is the time? Should there be a time limit on that? i tell you why we bring that up. Last week we shared a story with you, and I want to revisit that tonight. We shared a story with you that I thought was so absolutely heart-wrenching that I am going to share it to g- again today because it broke my heart. Here's a story that happened here in the month of May right in Suitland, Maryland, right there in the greater D.C. area. And uh, I'm still very just by the story, the nature of the story, uh, the 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 literal heart wrenching part of the story, I'm going to share with you again tonight because it has left it has left my heart torn and ripped to pieces as we looked at the situation and what occurred there. And I just want to bring it to your attention right now. I want to share this with you because it took place. It absolutely blew my mind. I continue to pray for the family here. And this story took place. Uh, Uh, in Suitland, Maryland, and uh, I just want you to listen to it very carefully. Then I have another story, if I'm able to get to it, to share with you that I think that you will find equally appalling and understand that we must stand up we must speak out. We can no longer afford to shout around this, dance around this, pretend that it doesn't happen, you know, sing Hallelujah anyhow, when the reality is there are troubled people around us and there are troubled people that are inside of some of these relationships and as a result of it, people listen very carefully to to me. As a result, what we're seeing is something that that must be addressed. And I shared this story last week with you, Suitland, Maryland. I want you to hear it very carefully. A 26-year-old Suitland man killed a two-year-old boy this past May after he climbed onto a piece of furniture, then, quote, disrespected him with a facial expression, the prosecutor says. In charging documents released Thursday, the official says that Clifton Bernard grabbed a two-year-old Jameer Shipe and shoved him to the floor on May 22nd, then grabbed him by the face and forced his head through a wall. I mean, I want you to hear this. Forced his head through a wall. According to George County Police that Bernard admitted to killing Lou Jameer Scheife, the son of a woman he was in relationship with, in an interview shortly after the boy was discovered. The grand jury charged Bernard with murder, child abuse, first and second degree assault. The alleged incident happened at an apartment there in uh, Suitland where Bernard was taking care of the boy. I want to stop there just for a second. I want you to absorb what we just said. Here is a 26 year old who's at the home of his girlfriend, a woman he's in a relationship with, and he's watching the two year old boy. Two year old people understand that. And at some time, at some point, authorities said that Bernard became enraged with Jameer. After he climbed into some furniture inside of that home, and at that point, he is accused of grabbing the boy by the midsection, throwing him to the floor. Now, he admitted to grabbing Jameer by the face and pushing his head into a wall. People, this is cruel. This is demonic. This simply isn't right. Two years old climb up onto some furniture, looks back at him, how do you calculate and say a child is looking at you, a two-year-old, in a disrespectful way? But to grab this two-year-old by the midsection, to slam this two-year-old into the floor, and then to pick this two-year-old up, my God. Uh, By the face And push his head into a wall Breaking his face Causing broken bones And several injuries In his face and head And total respiratory failure Occurred This two-year-old kid died Died Could you imagine that? Do we really know Who we're in relationship with? Do we know who we're talking to? When is enough? When is the right time? Eric code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight That's how you reach us. This is J.R. Thicklin, I'm so very glad that you're listening tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. I'm going to be right back right after this quick break here. Listen, I invite your calls. I invite your comments tonight right here. Just simply hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to get in to be a guest tonight. Area code 323-784-9638, and I'll see you right back on the other side of the break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, and I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin. See ya and just a couple minutes.
0: A journey to Wholeness with J.R. Thicklin is coming back right after this. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio LLC. This is the one and only Soul. their homes. Domestic violence is most likely to occur between the hours of 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic abuse incidents happen right at home. Survivors of domestic violence face high rates of depression, sleep disturbance, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. If you are someone that you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you think someone is, reach out to them. If you are a victim, reach out to somebody. You can call the National Hotline right now at one 800 799 that's one eight hundred seven nine nine seven two three three. 799 7233 If you didn't have a chance to write that number down, call Jay Thicklin right now at 1-323-784-9638. I'll be sore. Speak to Jay right now at 323-784-9638. And now, hope and healing, our journey to wholeness continues with your host, J.R. Dicklin.
1: And I'm so very glad that you join us here tonight on the Soul of America radio network. I am so excited about just the opportunity to share with you, and yet still, I'm so troubled at some of the things that we see happening in this country more times than we even care to even uh, realize. And that is the fact of the impact of domestic violence and what happens when our children are caught in the crossfire of it. And, uh, you know, and this is just such a sad travesty and a sad tragedy of what's going on here because you know what? Children are so innocent and they're caught inside of this. They don't deserve it. And oftentimes this act, of these acts of violence impact their lives, not just for now, but actually for a lifetime. And that's the reason why we uh, must uh, speak out. Uh, We must uh, stand up. We must uh, become advocates. Uh, We must uh, look out for their better well-being. We must, without a shadow of a doubt, sound the alarm. And we must not only sound the alarm, but we must stand up. We must talk to legislators. We must talk to neighbors. Uh, we must talk to friends. We must talk, and we must demand that more is done as it relates to of uh, the issue of domestic violence. And so I'm so very glad tonight that as you're listening to us tonight, that you have opportunity not only to tune in, but to chime in, but also to uh, lend your opinion. I just shared a story just a few minutes ago about the case there in Suitland, Maryland with the 26 year old who actually killed the two year old toddler, the girlfriend's baby because he simply thought the baby looked at him the wrong way and that the baby uh, gave him a disrespectful look and as a result slammed the baby to the floor uh, by the midsection, then pick the baby up by the face, driving the baby's face through the wall, cracking and uh breaking several uh bones in the face of the little boy, uh, and the baby dying as a result of not only respiratory uh failure and a lot of other things that happen as a result of this. And I continue to say is that when do how are we measuring uh the lethality of a abusive relationship? At what point does it reach uh the signs uh, that are there uh, that we uh, realize that I am at risk, I'm putting my child at risk being around this individual, or this. Th- our whole lives are in danger because of the behavior of this individual. And this is what's so very important. And I don't want us for one moment to forget about the innocency of these children. So that is the reason while we're in this vein again Erico code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight that's how you reach us Erico code three two three seven eight four nine six three eight uh you reach us there uh, if you like to have a question or comment, just simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to be on the air uh if you just like to send a question or comment, you can do so by emailing j ficklin t h i c k l i n at Soul of America Radio.com, and we will make sure that we get your question and a comment, and we will respond to it as soon as possible. So I'm so glad that you've joined us here today on this particular uh, broadcast and on this particular topic here tonight. Now, I want to just go a little further inside of our dealings. I want to go a little further inside of what we're saying. And the reason I want to go a little further inside of it because. Um, I think that it's absolutely crucial that we have this conversation. It's absolutely crucial that we do not remain silent. I said before that evil prevails when good men and good women remain silent. Evil prevails when we simply fold our hands and say and do nothing about the situation around us. And so my challenge to many of you that are listening tonight and those of you that are out there is the fact that we must be that voice. We must stand up. We must speak out. We cannot afford to allow this to go on any longer. Listen, our children end up in the system. They end up oftentimes uh, committing crimes themselves. They end up many times uh, being on the other end. And we see it all the time, ending up in the criminal justice system. And it's very disturbing to think about the fact that many of the children that we see there are children that grew up in abusive homes. Now, I'm not indicting every child that's been in an abusive home. Everyone doesn't show up the same way. But... uh, But listen to what I'm about to say to you. They don't show up and they don't sound the same way. They don't turn out the same way. But I'm telling you uh, that you need to understand, however, that the consequences and the things that happen as far as the impact on the children runs deep and it runs wide. Uh, So many of our cases where we've seen high-profile cases where our young boys oftentimes end up in jail, end up in the criminal justice system, and because they've committed crimes, they've committed very terrible crimes, and I'm not here to uh, pardon them of the crime, but what I am here to do is make sure that we understand as a people and that we understand the fact that many times what we're seeing is direct, related to what they were exposed to and so what do we see we see it played out we see it played out in a number of ways and once we see it played out like this what happens is that oftentimes that in the child's victimization when they were victims when they were being exposed they did not get the intervention of the help that they needed yet and still inside of their criminalization when they end up committing crimes and once again were no way uh, condoning this that is when the book is thrown at them, and that's when everything comes out. My point is that we must do a better job across the board inside of what we're saying, what we're doing, how we're handling these situations. We must look a little deeper inside of what's happening inside of the legislation, inside of the courtroom, inside of the courthouses. What's happening in the cases where children are involved, and they're involved in the crossfire of domestic violence? We have custody issues that are uh out time coming up as a result of these things but how how is it being treated how are we handling them? This? this is the reason that we must get involved this is the reason that we must stand up because it's not just about us It's always about the children we must understand that the children are caught in this crossfire here and we must do all that we can while we can to protect our children we cannot afford to allow them to continue to be in a crossfire being in harm's way because the of fact of sometime outdated laws because of unsympathetic ears, because of the fact of simply not knowing what to do. And that is what this is about. Our show is about educating. It's about empowering. It's about bringing that uh, bringing that information to the forefront. We must have advocacy to happen all over. There must be advocacy to happen from, uh, from the church. There must be advocacy to happen from the education system, from the judicial system, all around, because our children are at stake. their future is at stake, and we must, I'm not saying we have, we must, it's absolutely a must that we address this issue uh, with the urgency that it needs to be addressed. And that is the reason why we're here every single Monday night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m uh central time and those of you in the mountain time zone uh that's uh seven o'clock and those of you out west it is six o'clock. But around the globe, uh, coast to coast, you can find us here right on the Soul of America Radio Network. And I just want you to know tonight as we're visiting that and I want to go back to some of the things that we said just a little earlier because I believe that even as the audience is growing, even as we're speaking, as many of you are joining the conversation tonight, that you understand that children are caught in the crossfire of abusive relationship and they're called it in, in a way that oftentimes uh, put them at in peril it puts them in peril like we've never known before and it's a uh, and they're put in a peril that oftentimes impacts their life for the rest of their lives so once again we must stand up we must speak out we cannot afford to allow them to be uh, be uh victimized any longer victimized by the system, victimized by a home, victimized by the government, victimized on every way we must stand up for our children because not only are they our future they are our present they are our most their our most prized uh possession here in our lives, and so we must do all that we can to make sure that this is something that does not go unnoticed. That it must be something that we continue to spread the word about, and that's what we have to do inside of making a difference here. Once again, you'll listen to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. thickland I'm so glad that you've joined us right here on the Soul of America Radio Network. And those of you that are listening tonight by way of the Internet, www.soulofamericaradio.com, I'm so glad that you've joined us. Listen, we're starting a petition very soon. You'll hear more about it as we continue to look for, uh, to do things as far as legislation and otherwise to address this issue. Domestic violence but even more so I must take this another another step And uh, our Children are at risk and the Churches are in a very va- Very very valuable Position we must stand up and We must speak out now I want To share another story with you this story is Horrible it's a story that happens uh, In Milwaukee there on the North uh, on the north Side there and I, I am so grateful To our dear friends uh there Antonio Van uh Antonio Van uh for sharing this uh here on uh Facebook with us and it's always great when we're looking at people uh that are on the front lines that are doing this work who's been doing this work for a number of years. I want just to share a little bit with you and this is what one of those is issues what we call uh you know, children once again caught in the crossfire of domestic violence. It's come out of Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin area. A uh, man kills child himself on the Milwaukee's north side. We found a Milwaukee man shot his six-year-old daughter to death and then committed suicide after fighting with the child's mother on Sunday, the police said. The couple who had been together about eight years got, a fi- got in a physical confrontation on Sunday morning. The woman left the home, went to work, and then stopped at the police district for to report the domestic violence after her work shift ended. As soon as the woman reported the incident, officers were sent to the home near near North 51st Street and West Fairmount Avenue. Arriving around noon, they found the home locked, and when they entered, they found the man and his daughter dead, each with one bullet wound. The father and daughter, whose name were not released, pending notification, relatives were pronounced dead at the scene. Now, here's the interesting thing. Neighbors operating a rummage cell across the street said they heard two gunshots around 11 a.m. Sunday, they said the family had lived at the one-story brown bungalow uh, there for about a year. They heard two gunshots. But did anyone do anything? Did anyone wonder where it come from? Why was not the other phone calls made by the neighbors? My point, folks, is that oftentimes we're too silent. We're too silent when we see things happen, and a lot of it because we're afraid. We're afraid what will happen next. We're afraid if someone found out that we call the police we're afraid to stand up and say enough is enough, and we have to do so. Do you understand the the, the impact of this story here? This is a man; he kills his six year old daughter, and then himself, just hours after being in a physical confrontation with his wife. Children get caught in a crossfire way too often. Can't tell you how. And how stressful and how painful it is To have to deal with families And deal with individuals who are suffering Inside of an abusive relationship And what makes it even worse Is those that are suffering And they're wearing the mask They're suffering because of the fact They belong to a sorority or fraternity They're suffering because they they hold up position or title in a church Or an establishment They're suffering because of the fact They have a great public reputation But they live in a private nightmare they're suffering because of the fact that somehow or another they're internalizing the, uh, what is happening to them as their fault. They're suffering because of the fact they don't want anyone to think their perfect world is not perfect. People, we got to get over that shallowness. And there's a greater, there's a greater place, and there's a greater question, and there's a greater comment, and there's a greater need. We must stand, we must stand, and we must speak out, we must not allow lives to be uh, tortured and lives to go harmed and people to die in vain. We all have a responsibility and a duty to make a difference inside of this. I invite your questions, I invite your comments. J Thicklin at Soul of America Radio dot com. That's the letter J T H I C K L I N at Soul of America Radio dot com. If you're trying to reach us by the way of the radio, uh, by the way of the phone, I should say, Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. that's how you reach us. If you have a question or comment, simply hit the number 1 on your keypad. That lets our producer know that you desire to speak, have a question or comment, and we'll love to bring you in and hear you comment or a question. It is so incredibly important uh, that you know that we're out here. So many of you that are listening to today, maybe you're out there, you know someone is in an abusive relationship. I want you to know the national hotline number, 1 800 799 SAFE. That's 1 800 799 SAFE. That is 7233. 1 800 799 7233. That is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. I want you to know you don't have to be there alone. Many of you are listening to me right now, and there's a the dire need. And there is a dire need to reach out to your church, to your fraternity, to your sorority, Uh, but we have to be looking at it from a different perspective. We have to be looking at at it from how do we stand in the gap. How do we minister to those that are hurting? How do we hold accountable those uh, those that are committing these type of acts and these type of violence? Until we stand up, take our rightful place then we're going to see things that are occurring that shouldn't occur. And I believe that we're held accountable uh, for these things. I believe that we must speak out. and We must speak out not tomorrow. We must speak out now because it is uh, um, it is amazing uh, that our silence gives so much life to darkness. Our silence gives too much light to darkness. We must set our ground, and we must not allow these things to go unaddressed. So I want to say this to the families of those that are uh, that have suffered these small children that have uh, that have lost their lives. This is a travesty. These small kids who have lost their lives at the hand of an adult that was supposedly a caring and a loving adult. That's why we speak out. That's why we're passionate. That's why we refuse to stop. Sounding our voice about this situation Domestic violence is not just a crime It is a sin It is detestable It is perversion It is abomination It is everything that we can call it Because the need to control And the need to terrorize One's life Is not only diabolical But it's something that we must Address How many of these perpetrators are second- and third-generation victims? How many of them themselves were exposed to violence and abuse? This is the way that they saw. This is the way they internalized. This is how we handle conflict. This is how we handle disagreements. This is how we handle abuse. This is my perspective, my mindset. This is what I see the role of women. This is the way I see the role of men. All of these things are things that we must really examine because we act the way we act because we think the way that we think. I want to ask you a question. Do you know what your.